G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. There's no way I can leave this series without going to Malachi 3, because it reveals the heart of God toward His people, people who He loves. Hi and welcome, this is Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear about tithing, what it is and why God asks us to give. Is 10% really required? What if we don't have enough to give what the Bible teaches? In what area have we disobeyed? Imagine saying that to God, how have we disobeyed you? Where have we gone away from you that we need to come back? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, there may be food in my house. And I can imagine the people of Malachi's day hanging their head and saying, oh, that. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Welcome. Turn over to Malachi chapter 3. So while you're going there, I want you to have a look. By the way, Malachi, right at the end of the Old Testament. So just go to Matthew and go backwards. You'll find it quicker. Matthew or Malachi chapter 3. While you're doing that, have a look. This is a picture of my son right here. And uh, yep, uh, his hair is totally out of control. And... uh, I am indeed jealous. I wish I had that hair. That kind of, I would be thrilled. Uh, but I've been going through a little bit lately of, uh, you know, I was raised kind of a military home, uh, played basketball, and all of our coaches always made us short and tight on the sides, and you had to look neat. And uh, we kind of go a little bit on that. And, uh, but, but this is not a battle I'm going to choose with my son. He wants to wear his hair like that. God bless him. If I had that much hair, I'd probably wear it like that too. But here's another photo of him when we lived in New Zealand. This is what his hair was like, a little younger. But this is what his hair looked like when dad determined what it looked like. (laughs) And of course, at that age, he thinks that dad's right about everything, so he wore his hair like that. Now, I was was thinking lately, why? Why has he changed? And, uh, you know, God gave him this, uh, this, uh, I tell him, man, God gave you a handsome mug, so why would you want to hide it with all the hair and sideburns, man? Shave it off, let the girls see it. It'll be good. I mean, we all know that anything men do, uh, honorable thing, is to impress women. And so I said, you know, shave it off. You know, I'm telling you, it'll be good. It'll be good. And uh, he, he won't do it. I started thinking of why. Why? Why would he not? Then I started thinking about the life that he lived in New Zealand. I mean, I remember a few occasions. On one occasion, I was trying to help him repair his bike, and I was tightening a bolt, and uh, it slipped, and I hit him in the top of the head that knocked him out. Cole just knocked him out. And I thought, you know, that was a bad thing. I'm I'm sorry I did that. Uh, Then I thought about the time a cyclone hit the South Pacific Islands, and we didn't get the full brunt of the cyclone, but the waves 
came crashing on the east coast of New Zealand. You do get waves on the west coast, the Tasman Sea, but very seldom on the east where we lived. And so the kids wanted to go boogie boarding. It was all over the news. Hey, the waves are going to be big down at Long Bay. So that's about five minutes from my house. And I took Sian and Delaney down and I was pushing Delaney on his boogie board, getting him, helping him catch the waves because he's a little, like seven, eight years old. And then I just got a little bit too rambunctious and I pushed a little hard and got too big a wave that came crashing down and I put too much weight under the board and it drove him straight down. The wave drove him straight down in the ocean and he had sand in his mouth and nose and ears and eyes and he got out running to his mother crying weeping I thought you know that that wasn't so good either I I feel bad about that and then not too long after that I took him golfing true stories now you can ask him you those are his friends he he, uh and even those who aren't his friends you can ask him too and so so I took him golfing I was uh, I was at the fourth tee box at North Shore Golf Club in Auckland, New Zealand. You can Google that. Beautiful golf course. I hit my drive atop the first one, so I gave myself a mulligan. Hit another one out in the center, but I'm driving my golf cart, and I'd forgotten that I had topped one, and I I didn't want to leave a Pro-V, a good Titleist golf ball behind, and so it had been raining, and I slammed on the brakes. Oh, I forgot the ball, and you don't want to slam the brakes on a golf cart when it's been raining, and it's really wet, and so the... the, uh, the, the golf cart kind of jackknife and it threw Delaney out of the cart. It threw him completely out and it just happened to throw him uh, where, the, where the golf course path was, the, the concrete path, and he hit the back of his head and it knocked him out again. So I've been thinking about this. I, I got it. Now, now listen, you think I'm stretching the truth. Those are, you asked Delaney about each of those stories. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I think I know why he has his hair now. He, he's just trying to soften the blow. That's... <laughs> He's he's trying his best to protect himself. It's about self-preservation. And I started thinking about the humorous way to begin, but I want you to hear me now. Uh, Isn't that what most of us want? Not to be hit in the head with dad, but just we know that when we become Christians that it doesn't mean that God provides some kind of an escape hatch where we're protected from any bad thing that could happen, right? We know bad things still happen when you give your life to Christ. Pain is too advantageous to God in some circumstances. It's the only way he can get our attention. So we know, we know that it, it doesn't mean we're not going to have some pain after that. But we do want to know that if we follow the teachings of Scripture, God's Word, that at least the blows are going to be softened a bit, right? At least we'll be able to tolerate. We'll be able to make it through. We'll be able to weather the storms, however intense they are. That's what we want. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think you want the same thing I do. I can stand up here and give these messages, and I enjoy doing that. But I'll tell you, let's let's just let's come let's come clean with each other. Don't we want the same? I mean, come on. I want my kids to have clothes, and I want them to have food, and I want them to be happy. I do, and I want to know that they'll be able to go to college, they'll be able to find the career path. I want to know that they'll be content by the right way, the biblical way. But nevertheless, I want that contentment for them. I want to know that my kids and my wife, my family, that we're going to be okay and we'll have enough. I mean, come on, don't you? And I think Jesus knows that about us. And I think he doesn't judge us in that, that he sympathizes with us in our humanity. He knows we're going to have a tendency to worry. about Because there's people right now in this room who are a little older. Their concern is that the money's going to run out before they run out. Am I going to be okay, especially given our society that tends to discard old people? They're worried. I think God's okay with this, and that's why he writes, that's why there's passages like this in the Bible, in Jeremiah 29, that I didn't intend for this to become the, the main passage for this 
paradigm shift series, but it has become. Because I see the look in your eyes when I read it. I see it. Now, I see it again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I see you young people, when I read that, I see the look in your eyes. And you're thinking, does God really have, is it true? Can I trust this? Can I believe that God really does have a plan that will not harm me, that will prosper me, and that I can have a hope in a future? You know, listen, if you follow God's plan in any area of concern in your life, the promise that you have is that that path or that way will lead you to a prosperous life. So whatever your deep concern is, if you will follow the way of God, it will lead to victory. So the question is in the series paradigm shift, what is God's plan? I mean, I bring 52 sermons a year about that, maybe less. But one time a year, I have to ask the question, well, then what is God's plan for food and clothing? What is his economic plan then if it's not to harm me? And there's no way I can leave this series without going to Malachi 3. That you have to end there because it reveals the heart of God toward his people, the nation Israel, people who he loves. And we are the people God loves. And over in Malachi 3, those questions are answered. And I, I want the ushers to bolt and lock the door. No, I'm just kidding. Stay inside. You, I'm just kidding about that. But there's a tendency, some of you will close the door on me. Some of you will walk out in your mind, if not physically. I need you to stay with me because you know my heart. And you know that I love you. Uh, drop the defensive and just... Give me the benefit of the doubt for the next 25 minutes and assume that I have your best interest in mind, that God does. Because the people in Malachi's day, he lived 400 years before Jesus came and they had an enormous sense of entitlement. Whatever God gave them, it could never be enough. That's you and me, let's be honest. Look, folks, on the first clear day, on the first clear day, I got up the 10, headed down the 57 from my house. And you know what I saw? Blue sky, and what did I see on the mountains? Snow, and it was beautiful, and I experienced gratitude, but do you know what my second thought was? Now, I'm gonna, look, I hope you get it by now. I'm the one preaching, because that's what God's called me to do. But I should be out there just like you. I hope you get that by now. Because you know what my second thought was? Man, wouldn't it be neat if there were snow on all the mountains? And if they were completely covered? It's like, God, you did a good job, but man, you could have done a little better. <laughs> Isn't that us? Man, that's me. Is that not you? That's the people of Malachi's day. And so here's what happens. Malachi comes and he says, man, God's given you so much, and yet it's hard for you to have gratitude because you're spoiled. And you give him nothing in return. Oh, you give him lip service. You come to the temple and you say, God is great. God is good. He's magnificent. He's grandiose. But you say that with your mouth, but the way you live your life, you don't really conform your external activities to what you say you believe inside. That's me. That's me. That's you. So Malachi begins like this. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, here's what the Lord says. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Notice how God starts it out. Before I say what I'm going to say to you, I want to remind you, I love you. And although you change in your commitment to me, I remain the same. Then he goes on to remind them, your fathers were the same way. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. He's about to tell them that you're violating a fundamental elementary command of Scripture and what it is to be a follower of God. And yet, I don't change, but you have. 
And also understand that you do it because your fathers were the same way and they taught you this. Fathers, mothers, your attitude toward your stuff and toward your money and your willingness to be generous or to clutch and to hold in a stockpile, you are, whether intentionally or unintentionally, passing it down to your children. You don't have to say anything. They watch your life and they know what's important to you. And God says, you're your forefathers were the same way and you keep passing that cycle down. You keep creating a sense of entitlement and men and women who are clutch monsters, they just hold on because of a lack of trust in God. And he says, so return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. Come back to me. Trust in me and I will, I will return to you. You wonder why there's discord. You wonder why there's no harmony. You wonder why it feels like our relationship has been severed. And when you reach out and try to fill me, you don't fill me. And God says, the reason is because you're violating what it is to be a follower of God in the most fundamental elementary position. And if you violate it there, if you can't get this right, what real hope do you have of getting anything else right? But you ask, how are we to return? I mean, they had audacity. God, what are you talking about? I mean, we're your friends. We've been here all along. In what area have we disobeyed? Imagine saying that to God. How have we disobeyed you? Where have we gone away from you that we need to come back? We're the spiritually elite. Just by coming here every week means I'm close to you. We've been here all the time. God, what are you talking about? God says, really? Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. And I can imagine the people of Malachi's day hanging their head and saying, oh, that. This is Today with Jeff Vines. The message is Tithing Defined, about why we should prioritise giving back to God some of what He's blessed us with. Let's continue. Here's Pastor Jeff. Now, I'm going to become your teacher for about 20 minutes. I'm not going to yell so much and rant and rave. I hope I don't do that anyway. That's passion. I need you to get your bulletin out and I need you to write in the answers that I'm going to give you. And I, I want to pray that you would drop the defensive and you would say, maybe I can give Pastor Jeff the benefit of the doubt today that he really does have my best interest in mind and that he's not trying to manipulate me, that he really does love me and he wants me to hear something because we need to define a few terms if we're going to come to terms with God's economic plan to give us blessing and to prosper us. The first thing we need to do is divide in this whole word tithe. God says, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. What are you talking about? Tithe means this, one-tenth or 10%. It's used 41 times in the Bible. It's not an obscure biblical concept. It's a common concept, a common understanding. Tithe, one-tenth or 10%. Two, tithe describes the immediate gift of 10% of your income at your very first opportunity. In the Old Testament, they did not have the monetary system like you and I do today, so they didn't bring cash as much as they brought... Well, you got the cows and the goats and the pigs and you bring them in, the very best of the best, and you bring them to the temple to God as an external sacrifice for what you say you believe internally that every good and perfect gift comes from God and everything you have belongs to him. In Deuteronomy 14, if a person lives so far away to, from the temple that it was impossible to get these goods and grains and corn and oxen and cattle to God, then he said, what you're to do is immediately convert it to cash and bring it to the temple right away or send it through a messenger. Now, why would that be important? Because God knows human nature, doesn't he? 
Ever been on the envelope system? Come on. Raise your hand if you've been on the envelope system of budgeting. Yeah, so you'll know what I'm... Three people. You know why, don't you? Let me just say this. You know why, don't you? Because it's a new generation now. I'm sorry. Take it kindly. I love you. But you think you have to have everything right now, which is why we're going in debt. But there's a whole generation of people out older than us that knew it takes time. And so here's what you do. When we were in New Zealand, we were in trouble financially because I was violating this principle. And I want to tell you right off the bat, I violated this for most of my Christian life. All right, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> we were in trouble, making about 30,000, 35,000 a year. And I said to Robin, man, we're in trouble. She goes, we got to go to the envelope system. That's where you write tithe or offering. In our case, it was just money to God. Rent or housing payment, groceries, entertainment, clothing, you get your salary, you take it out, you put it in the envelopes, and when it's gone by the end of the month, it's gone and you stop spending. And sometimes the end of the month is a bad time because you got no money, man. And what do you do? You get to the end of the month, all the grocery money's gone, rent money's gone, house payment, clothes, whatever, and there's a really good movie coming out. And you go to your kids and say, man, I want to see that movie. It's coming out. I want to be at the premiere release. Dad, there's no envelope. There's no money in any envelope except the offering one. Grab it, son. Let's go. <laughs> God knows what you're like. So God says, immediate gift of 10% of your income at your first opportunity to give. Third, tithe is off the top of what you make. Not after you pay the government. Not after you pay your bills off the top of what you make because God comes first. He's second to none. Give to God what is God's and then to Caesar what is Caesar's. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. So the very first tenth, the very first fruits, the best of the very best. Number four, tithing is a universal principle. For all you Bible scholars out there, just let me tell you, you can't trick the tricker. When you violate this like I did, I know every justification you come up with. One of the primary one is that, well, that was with the law. It doesn't happen in grace. Let me tell you something. You read your Bible again. The tithe does not originate with the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments. It starts long before the law, and it extends far past the law. Abraham, 100 years before the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments ever came into being, was giving tithes to the priest Melchizedek. All the way back in Genesis 4, this is a problem with reading the Bible, you discover things you don't like. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, we find Cain bringing his offering, Abel bringing his offering, Abel brings the fat portions, the good stuff, the very best of the very best, and Cain brings what's left over. God looked down the offering, I mean, early in human, humanity history, and says, Cain, I'm disappointed, Abel I'm, Abel, I'm happy with you. Cain kills Abel. G. Campbell Morgan one of the great revivalists of the 19th century. He said, the problem is this. Most Christians, when they think of the word sacrilege, define it this way. Taking something that is sacred and profaning it or using it in a profane manner. He said, but sacrilege goes way beyond that into this. Taking something that means little or nothing to you and giving that to God. It's called leftovers and God's not into it. He's not into it. Five. Tithing is a thermometer of spiritual vitality. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, 
If your heart and your treasure and your goal and objective is self-aggrandizement to collect more and more things and more and more stuff, that's where your budget is going to be spent. But if you've had a change of heart and internal transformation and your passion is for the kingdom of God to be expanded and for the kingdom of Christ, the people to know God, people to know Christ, people to know what it is to be saved, people to know what it is to have an eternity, a hope and a future, then your budget is going to reflect that. Six, tithing is the starting place for New Testament giving. In both Old and New Testaments, there are two words used, tithe and offering. What is the distinction? Okay, a lot of you guys grew up in the church and you remember this with a big old wooden pulpit. Congregation on the right and left. Four hymns, first, second, and last stanzas. Communion, and then the offering. And the guy giving the offering moment would say, okay, now I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward and they're going to collect our tithes and offerings. Is there a distinction between the two? The Bible indicates, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. The tithe, as we've said, is one-tenth of your total income. What's the offering then? The offering is what you give above and beyond what is required. You say, well, why would anybody do that? Because their heart's been changed. They want to give as much money as possible to expand the kingdom of God because that's where their heart is. I know people who actually start downsizing and living with just life essentials because they know that everything on this earth is wood, hay, and stubble and will come to an end. So whatever I invest in the material or the temporary, it will one day perish. But if I invest in the spiritual, if I invest in lives and souls and people who are hurting, that will stand forever. That's where I choose to invest my stuff, my resources. And so that is called an offering, above and beyond what you give the tithe. And as a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said this to the church, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In other words, the more you give, the more you sow, the more you reap. And the heart of a Christian is to reap as much as possible for the kingdom of God. So some people get so motivated, they go beyond the tithe into the offering and start to reap a great harvest. Now, this is going to be hard for some of you to take. You know I love you. You know I do. Some of you in the room have never in your entire life given God an offering because you've never given him a tithe. The offering comes after the tithe. It's hard to handle, but it's true. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that's all we have time for today. Next time, we'll continue to define tithing and what God has asked of us regarding our finances. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Try me, test me, prove me. This is the only place in Scripture God talks to people like this. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.